Welcome to Kick Arts with Emma and Stephen, New Zealand's comprehensive art show brought to you on Planet FM 104.6 and streaming live around the globe thanks to our podcasts, which you can download from planetaudio.org.nz. Each week, we bring you a variety of interviews and music from across the arts world, from theatre to books, events to exhibitions. We've got you covered. Now, tonight, we are chatting with Kiwi singer and performer Christine Pulser, live here in the studio and also checking out a new theatrical piece of work known as Paradise Island. We're checking in with two authors on their latest book releases, plus have all the latest goings on from our inbox. Now, as you know, I love musicals, and if I can play a musical song on here each week, I will. But I had to laugh this week when I heard this song literally called I Love Musicals by Laura Benanti. So here it is to kick off the show. I wish I were cool I wish I were rock and roll. I wish I were Jewel. Or Alanis Morissette. Maybe I should learn to play guitar. But I'm too busy listening to my. You call me a freak. freak. Say I'm the biggest loser in our town, but if in high school you peak.
certainly do. It's funny what pops up in your Spotify playlist during your week, Emma. I know, that's pretty cool, though. Uh, something a little bit different to start our show off on a Sunday evening. Man, the weather's changing. starting to get a bit cooler. I know, I'm almost ready to pull my winter blankets out and chuck them on yeah. and go back to some flannelette sheets. Oh, flannelettes. <laughs> you can't go past a good flannelette sheet. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Now, um, welcome to the show, Kristen. Great to have you in here. Great to be here. Hello. Hello. We're going to chat to you a little later because to start with, we've got a wonderful author on the phone. And apologies, Melinda, if I say your surname wrong, but I want to say Seismanac. It's Shamanic. Couldn't have been more wrong. That's a great start (laughs) to our Sunday. Welcome to the show, Melinda, author of My Elephant is Blue. Thank you. So tell us what this cool little quirky book is all about. It's all about uh, having some big heavy feelings and not knowing how to deal with them, but kind of over time just getting back into life and the feelings kind of change. And it's all through the metaphor of a blue elephant. (laughs) I love that, the fact that, yeah, I hadn't put two and two together and realised that the elephant was blue because it was a heavy blueness that's quite cute yeah what age have you written this for um honestly i would say it's for all ages because i think everybody can relate to uh unhappy feelings sad feelings and the need to kind of see if they can get past them but i guess because it's a picture book it's primarily targeted at uh, I'd say primary ages, five to eight, five to ten. I love too that it's not a black dog, that it's a blue mm-hmm. elephant. Yeah, I just yeah, feel yeah. for the little kids, like, you know, when people talk about depression being the black dog, mm. I've always found that, that image a really scary one, whereas I feel like a blue elephant makes it something a little bit more, except, I don't know, I just feel like it's something a bit easier to... I don't know, comprehend maybe? I I guess too, the fact that it's a blue elephant is also, um, it it, it gives the potential for change. So a a black dog makes me think of always being a black dog, Mm. but this is something that can sometimes be in the pink or uh, the yellow of complete joy. Um, and it's not always like that. It might sometimes go back to blue, but it is able to change. And I think that's a very hopeful message for children. And I love but too that, I, I was just going to say, I love that Vashanti has put, um, often the elephant is on the back of the boy. And I love the fact that that kind of to me is a metaphor that is actually really strong. And I also feel like um, feelings are something that are, are always with us. Mm. And, um, uh, gosh, I was watching this thing on um, YouTube ages ago about Bill Hader talking about his anxiety. And he was saying he got to the point where he felt like it was like a little angel or a devil on his shoulder. So it's like something that's always with us. Feelings are always with mm. us. Um, and, yes, it is. it takes strength to manage our feelings and um, deal with them when they're not particularly nice ones as well. And what was the the turning point, I guess, to make you decide to write this? 
Oh, gosh, I was dealing with some big, heavy feelings of my own. I kind of felt I had some bad news and I felt really sad. And a couple of days after I'd had the news, I woke up in the morning and I turned to my husband and I said, I feel like I've got an elephant sitting on my chest. And immediately my brain kind of started fizzing and I got up and I, I wrote the story and the loveliest thing is in the process of writing the story, I felt so much better. So it was a, 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 a helpful thing for me as well to go through that process um, and hopefully reading it will have the same effect on other people. And I see that the book, this book is currently sold in Germany, Italy and China as well. So um, fantastic way to, I mean it shows this common message mm. that is an international message it's an everyone message I think particularly at the moment too with what the whole world has been through over the last sort of 18 months um, children more than ever need to um, have ways of talking about their feelings and expressing their feelings and working through them um, and it's just also sold Spanish language rights as well wow. so just last week so yeah it's it's it has got a um, an international feel I guess which is really nice um, and I'm really pleased yeah now you're no stranger to writing you're a New Zealand Post Children's Choice Award winner tell us about some of your earlier creations uh, I write all sorts of different stories <laughs> for children. I've wrote, um, written uh, novels, one based on my dad's experiences. Uh, he was a 12-year-old boy living in Poland when World War II broke out. Um, so I wrote his story, but I've also written short stories for children. And I write, um, I've written a lot of picture books, and they're all very different in flavour, so... Um, in February I had one come out called Moon and Sun which is about a sister relationship between the moon and sun and the moon feels inferior and the sun is glamorous and gorgeous and everybody loves her Um, and so just yeah talking about um, how you know it doesn't matter who you are differences are a positive thing and uh, we all get our moment to shine Um, But then I also write funny picture books and picture books based on um, sort of fairy, more fairy tale kind of foundations as well. So the one that won the Children's Choice Award was The Wee Nana Mm. about a little girl who's frightened of her grandma because she's never met her before and they're going to meet for the first time. That's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is spooky, but a lot, a lot of fun as well. Yeah, um, I remember having that book in our house. Like that. Right, <laughs> cool. And is this your first time working with Vashanti? It is, it is, and I've been thrilled. Um, she's done such a wonderful job. She's uh, a rare talent. It's fantastic. Yeah, we enjoyed interviewing her, oh, only a month or so Mm. ago, Mm. about one of her books, and she mentioned then that this was coming out, so it's nice to see it all come to the full 360 of its journey. Her illustrations are just beautiful. Aren't they? I especially love the one where the um, elephant is starting to change colour. It must be a real, I guess it's a real art matching the right illustrator with author too because you, you would have committed so much to your story before someone else then gets to bring that to life, I guess. Yes, and really generally um, the author doesn't um, have any control over who gets to be the illustrator and 
when I get to find out who the illustrator is, unless they've got questions for me, I don't actually tell them, you know, I don't, I don't say what to draw. I don't want to have any influence um, I find over that them fascinating. because I, I, I think I've put it all in the words yeah, and yeah. they should be able to get what I'm after from the words, and they do. Yeah, that's good because, you know, I, I can imagine... You, yeah, you're really in the hands of your publisher there to make sure that they've done that right match-up. Well, yes, but that's that's what they do yep, all the time. Totally. and I've, You put your trust in them, but honestly, I've, I've never been disappointed. <laughs> so awesome. I think they're doing a great job. Well, we wish you every success with My Elephant is Blue. It's available now from Penguin Random House New Zealand. We've given our copy. We've got Blockhouse Bay Primary with a whole bundle to review shortly. And yours is in the mix as well, so no pressure. But um, a young junior reviewer will be reviewing that. And we look forward to seeing what your next creation might be. Lovely. Thank you so much. That's awesome. Thanks for taking time to chat to us on a Sunday night. Thanks, Melinda. Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you. Take care. Beautiful book and illustrations, Emma. Yeah, definitely. I'm keen to have a wee look at it myself. Yeah. That's nice. Um, Thank you, Liz and team at Penguin for sending it through. So you've had a busy week. Every time I look at your social media, mine calmed down and yours exploded. Mm, mm. It's just been one of those, you know, it's that busy time again, but... The funny thing was it was actually just over the weekend that it seemed to explode. Right. You know, off down to Wellington to see opening night of Jersey Boys down there. And if you're down in Wellington, and you know what? Even if you're not in Wellington. Take a trip. It is so worth the trip. Seeing it a second time, I fell right back in love with it. Um, Was really interesting to see it in a different venue, a little bit smaller in size. That intimacy really came through. And I was in the front row, and I mm-hmm. when I opened the tickets, I was like, oh, I'm in the front row, oh, no. But actually, they were fantastic seats, and, yeah, I just loved it. So I did that, had a few meetings at Toy Fakari about some future projects coming up, including our workshop with Lara McGregor happening for Stage Antics acting for screen next weekend for teenagers still a few spaces left in that if anyone wants to jump on stage antics page and find out about that and then i've been in rehearsals and workshops today we had our stage antics may theater series workshops happening in christchurch and in auckland today brilliant Mm. excellent and you saw some shows during the week opening night of mamma mia last night Ah. at papakura theater company how did that go look abba's always a good show it's such a fantastic show and that's particular theatre society man they use this space amazingly they have the most amazing team of set builders who just every time I walk in to see one of their shows I'm just like and I did I came around the seating block and I was just like wow well that's yeah cool. yeah that's that was really good awesome all and right that season's fully sold out 16 shows wow. sold out and it sold out nearly a month ago before they even opened so community supporting community which is great starting to hear that though this year's mm. been a few sell out seasons and that's not common so that mm. is fantastic good to see people supporting the arts and keeping it alive mm. speaking of the arts and speaking of busy let's yeah. cross across the table Kristen, you've been well and truly insanely busy. Hello, yes, uh, yes, very much so. <laughs> so talk us through your year, because it kind of started with a pretty big tour, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, that 
That was really awesome. Yes, I um, I started off on tour with uh, Showtime Australia as a Tina Turner impersonator. <laughs> so that was really cool. We toured the country and did that. And then straight after that, we same same company, same cast and crew, we did an ABBA tour, an ABBA tribute show, and I did BVs for that. Um, and again, it was just amazing getting to be around this beautiful country and we kept having these moments of gratitude at the fact that we were able to mm. do that, you know, compared to the rest of the world, it was a huge privilege. Um, so that was amazing. And then, yeah, it kind of came back and wasn't sure what was going to happen, but I had this huge focus on my music. I was like, it's time. Like, I really want to get this done. And um, the guitarist on tour, uh, his name is Tim Herringer, um, but he's also an artist. He goes by Wolfie. He um, he does music production as well. And so we had a bit of a conversation on tour. And he's like, yeah, like, you can come down to Christchurch and come, you know, I'd be happy to record your song with you. And I was like, yes, please. Oh, so, cool. yeah, so I did exactly that. I went down to Christchurch and we worked on seasons. Yeah. Fantastic. So... Going back to the Tina Turner Abattoirs, yeah. where did you see New Zealand that you hadn't been to before? Oh my goodness, so many different places. Um, one of my favourite places that I always talk about is Carterton. Carterton mm. is this random little place in between Masterton and Wellington. Um, I loved it. It was just so random. Like, I'd never heard of it before, but there was so much character in that place. And there was, like, a really sweet, um, like cafe or restaurant nearby that you know we went to and we had great chats with them and they were just like really really awesome and welcoming and then the next time I kind of like did a roadie down there we stopped there again they're like oh my gosh it's Tina Turner (laughs) so yeah lots of random little places that we went yeah and what was it like playing such an iconic famous person oh my gosh intimidating I'm not gonna lie to you at first it was really really intimidating especially because I am very young (laughs) um and especially because I was filling not only just Tina Turner's role but another person who was supposed to play the role because they were supposed to have the show in March last year and then obviously lockdown happened and then they were going to go back on but they couldn't bring their original person who tours with them into the country so then they put out you know the audition all then I just like was like okay let's just try it out so I couldn't believe that I got in the first place um yeah but no again was a huge honor and I have so much respect for Mm -hmm. Tina Turner wow like just her story you know and everything that she's been through and then her comeback in her 40s like as well you know mm. like that's amazing um so yeah it was a huge huge honor um, it is a full stage show now isn't it her are life. you talking the, about the musical, the musical yeah. tina yeah yes yeah. there is a musical yeah yeah. So there's, a, oh, there's some other opportunities there for you if it comes down under. I mean, I would love to, like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but even to think to be her age and still be mm. such, you know, like, oh, my God, I'm envious of the thought of being, you know, she she doesn't even look no. her age, does she? No, and she's she just not. The power and the energy she brings to everything she does. The energy, oh my goodness, it was such a high energy show, back to back, you know. And it was funny because I would watch videos of her because obviously I had to impersonate her. And she would sweat so much. <laughs> and I was like, wow, I never sweat that much. I, <laughs> I did. Wow. <laughs> I really did. Like she, yeah, she 
demands a lot on stage and I really did my best to, to give all of that and yeah. So I was going to ask that and you kind of answered it now around how did you prepare for the role? So obviously watching her videos, listening to her music. Yes and reading also, up on her as well like did, what else do you need to do? Yeah all of that but also because we only had a week of rehearsals before we went on stage oh or we went on tour. So I got sent all the music and also the other videos of the other impersonator and all of that so I had to just kind of learn all of that. And I was still in uni as well. I had assignments. <laughs> so my week my week in Christchurch when we had the, the rehearsals, honestly, we'd have the rehearsals like, you know, morning to afternoon. I'd get back to accommodation and then I'd be like, okay, bye guys, I'll see you tomorrow. Go upstairs, do my assignments. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, so just a lot of, a lot of studying. Um, Vocal-wise, I really had to... Um, just focus on a lot of techniques and where I'm sitting things because I didn't want to hurt myself. Mm. Um, and I, when I was still in Auckland before I even went to Christchurch, again, I would just practice the dances in like in some heels because the whole show she's in heels. Um, just at like a dance studio kind of thing and just kept going. Yeah. Wow. That was mammoth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for someone listening, tell us about your journey. In the arts and music prior to this year, tell us about your journey up to this point. Oh my gosh, it's it's a blur. It happened so fast, and I'm really grateful for that. I mean, I've always I've always been singing. You know, uh, I come from like a family of singers, and you know, church and stuff back in South Africa. Um, and then, honestly, it wasn't until so I did musicals in high school you know every single musical and then I met Sammy Campbell shout out I met Sammy Campbell in high school and she was like hey you should audition for this musical bring it on and I was Mm -hmm. like I don't know I've never done a musical outside of high school I'm not trained and she's like no seriously you should audition and then the night before the audition I honestly wasn't gonna go because I chickened out and then she hit me up and she was like hey you're coming tomorrow right and I was like Okay, yep, sure. (laughs) So I go to this audition. I was so nervous and I auditioned for Danielle and I got the role and I was like, oh my gosh, cool. And then honestly, from there, it just opened up all these other opportunities and I, you know, became, came into like the, the theater world and all that. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. And then Broadway Dreams came along in 2018, I think it was. And again, same thing. I was like, would love to do this, but honestly can't afford it. Patrick Kelly was like, seriously, just audition, apply for the scholarship. I ended up getting the half scholarship and I was like, oh, cool. Did that. That was amazing. And then within the program, they picked three to four people to travel over to New York and um, be part of the end of year showcase with everyone from around the world kind of thing. And I was fortunate enough to be selected for that. And that was insane. It was really funny because I was like fiddling with my shoe when they announced my name. And I was like, me? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Went to New York and that changed my whole... um, my whole way of performing and my whole outlook because everything was on like a higher level, you know. Um, I learned so much, absorbed so much from everyone around me and then, yeah, just kind of took that and went forward and then just more and more opportunities kind of just came my way and I just kept putting myself out there and, yeah, now I am here. (laughs) Yeah. And this is home? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. And somewhere in the mix here, we've got 
a Madagascar to fit in. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm playing Gloria the Hippo in Madagascar the Musical by GMG Productions. Boom, boom. Yeah. <laughs> um, so much fun. Yeah, I'm really excited. I haven't done a musical in so long, so I'm like, yay. Um, yeah, and that was actually really awesome because in my audition, um, I met Lavina Williams and Lavina Williams' younger sister, and we were all going for the same part. But we had an awesome, awesome chat, like just so much. And then a couple of days after the audition, I caught up with the sister because she's an R&B artist as well. And I was like, hey, I'm a new musician. Like, what should I do? Can you give me some advice and stuff? So we met up and we spent the entire day together. Like we met up at 10 a.m. and I went home at 2 a.m. because we just talked about everything and she gave me so much information. We really connected and she's actually my understudy. So I'm so excited. Yeah. So when does that stage and where? That starts, um, so it's, it'll be in Auckland, Wellington and Christchurch. It starts on the 8th of July in Auckland and that'll be the 8th of July to the 18th of July at the Kirete Kanawa Theatre um, in Wellington, 5th of August to the 15th of August at the Wellington Opera House, and then the 18th of August to 22nd of August in Christchurch at the Isaac Theatre Royal. That's cool. Yeah. We haven't heard Kirete Kanawa Theatre at RTS Centre being used for longer run things for a while. It's all the one-nighters, two-nighters, ballets, orchestras, Apart concerts. from probably... National Youth Theatre. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Now, we're about to play your song, Seasons. Yeah. So tell us about this song. What made you write this? So this is actually a very special one. Uh, This one I wrote when I was getting back into songwriting. And I wrote this uh, after me and my best friend at the time had kind of ended our friendship. And coincidentally at the time, this like quote popped up that said, uh, you know, people come into your life for a reason, season, or a lifetime. And so that's where the idea of seasons come from. And basically the song mm. is saying that the season of our friendship was bound to change because that's how seasons work. Uh, but thank you so much for our friendship. Yeah. Mm, that's nice. A reason, yeah. a season, or a lifetime. Yeah. yeah makes me fun. think of um, For Good From Wicked, mm. doesn't it? Similar yeah. kind of... But a different way of acknowledging mm. that a season's I love okay. It, the seasons. Where sometimes yeah. we kind of acknowledge friendships, oh, it's a shame that ended or it's gone. But actually, if you look at it from that angle, it's okay to have some just for seasons. Yeah. Because that all adds to the tapestry of your life. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm very grateful for that friendship. And we're actually on a really good good terms now. She lives in the States. And I sent her the song the day before its release. I was like, hey, da da da. And she loved it. She really appreciated it. So that was really awesome. Let's go. All right, let's take a listen then to Kristen's song, Seasons. And after the break, we're going to grab the wonderful Tina Clow, Clow, I think that's how we say it, author of Folded. You were air when my breath grew thin. Take it in. Like the breeze of the forest, but I couldn't see the trees. Seasons change, but you remain somehow. Cause I couldn't stand the cold. Ignoring the summer, never giving the drought. 
reasons have to change. Oh, 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 Thank you for summer, summer. Mm-hmm. Oh. Never liked the rain, didn't care much for the rainbow. As I prefer the sun, I'll decide. And all is clarity I know it's time to let go And take in the new weather seasons have to change, change, change And that's beautiful. Thank you. Beautiful song. And I asked while that was playing, you know, are you planning to write some more? Yes, absolutely. I've got I've got quite a few uh, that's already completed. So uh, when I come back from Madagascar, then definitely planning on releasing some more. Potentially work on an EP. Um, Yeah, it's got a gentle, perfect sound to it. Mm. And I was going to say. The harmonies and everything there, is that you doubling all the voices or yes, was, did yeah, you that, have some BVs come in? No, that's me. But I do have to credit my producer so much. He gave me so much artistic direction uh, in the booth. So, I'm yeah, he was amazing to work with and, like, worked so fast as well. So that was amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. really cool. All right, you put your feet up, relax, have your cup of tea. Well, we now jump on the phone to chat to another fabulous author, Tina Clough, who has just published or back at the end of april the book folded which is the latest thrilling novel in the hunter grant series welcome tina thank you great to have you on air and you've you've been busy yes i have been a bit busy Mm. (laughs) so tell us what's folded all about well folded is really um 
it's really about the um, human trafficking trade that perhaps the dark net has made um, more profitable for evil people. Um, trafficking in um, abuse and sexual perversion and even killings. And what I, what, I, what I was trying to do was highlight that in a lot of in a lot of crime novels, the victim is a young woman, and these are young women that I feel are sometimes used as props. You know, they right. come without much of a backstory. And I wanted to use one person to illustrate how these sort of things can happen. And I picked that girl, Mariko, the Japanese student in Auckland. Right. And now I see when you're not writing crime novels, you translate and you edit medical research papers. <laughs> yes, I do. I do. I work for two universities in Sweden. Um, both of them are university hospitals with big research teams. And when they publish um, papers in journals in any part of the world, they have to be quite seriously looked over from a a linguistic point of view and from a, a context point of view before they're published because, you know, the people who write them, they're very fact-based, science-based sort of super brains and, and they need someone else to kind of have a second look. And how has editing medical research helped you with writing crime novels? Does has, has any of that research ever helped you or snuck its Un, way into your books? <laughs> not. No. <laughs> I'm sorry to say that most of the research... I work for two or three big research teams and one of them specialises in breast cancer, one of them specialises in prostate cancer and the other one is, is other uh, abdominal cancer-related diseases. So they have, they have not helped me at all. Gosh, oh, I was imagining some kind of exciting, you'd be able to write about what the forensic team mm. or something does, you know, or the autopsy team when in your crimes once they got to that stage. <laughs> well, you see, I, I don't write the kind of books that follow procedural things with police and forensics. I write more about um, ordinary people who get sideways drawn into something that they're not trained to deal with and how they deal with it and how they come through it and, and kind of survive to the end to tell the tale. So tell us about the character of Hunter Grant. Well, he, he's an ex-army guy. He's, he's, uh, in this last book, he's just a couple of years over 40. He was in Afghanistan uh, on and off for several years with the British Army. And he is... Um, quite disillusioned about evil in the world that often goes unpunished without consequence uh, to maybe be repeated on others and he feels very strongly about something he calls practical justice he's very pragmatic if something happens that he's aware of and someone has done something dreadful to somebody else and he thinks that they will never be caught up with or they will do it again, he will intervene. Mm. How many books in the Hunter Grant series are there so far or to come? This is the third one. Right. So 
So the, the, the first one was called The Chinese Proverb, and that came out four years ago. And then two years ago, I published um, One Single Thing, which is the second book in the series. But I had already published two books prior to that, but not anything to do with Hunter Grant. Right. And is there another one on its way? There is another book already written and being scrutinised at the <laughs> moment. Um, but it's not about Hunter Grant. It's about uh, it's a political corruption crime novel set in Wellington. Ah. Yes. Very good. It's um, going to be called The Shadow Broker. Right. Oh, that's a nice title. Mm. That, mm, very nice. And I, I see that. So I see when you're not writing, you are inventing new jam flavours. <laughs> oh yes, I love doing that because we we live on an acre. We live in a field, actually. We we we, we say we live in. Oh, we have a lawn, but we don't really. We just have a field that we mow, and it's absolutely full of fruit trees and hens and things. So I have lots and lots of fruit to experiment with, and I love it. It's great fun. I don't eat jam. I just <laughs> give it away to other people. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. I love your quote too. Do it today. Tomorrow might be busier still. I think Emma and I agree with that one. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Absolutely. Well, we have passed your book on to our reviewer, Sharon, who will have a busy read of it over the next few weeks and come back to us. We wish you every success with Folded. It's available now where all good books are sold and it's published by Lightpool Publishing. All the best with that, Tina. Thank you so much. Thanks for chatting to us on a Sunday night. Thanks, Tina. (laughs) Thanks for your time. All right. Take care. Two very different books tonight. Definitely, definitely. Christina, are you a book reader? Honestly, I could read more. I feel pretty guilty about it. <laughs> it's finding time though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, everyone relaxes in different ways. How do you relax? Um, honestly, listening to music, I'll just like kind of vibe out to some very calm kind of music. Um, or either play music myself. I'll just be, cause I, I just recently set up a little music studio, um, at my house. Um, cause I do vocal coaching now as well. And I'll just be in there for hours, just like playing on the keys or something. Yeah. That's my, my kind of. <laughs> Solitude. Escape from your daily job yeah. of singing yeah. to sing some more. <laughs> <laughs> Who inspires you musically? Honestly, these days, um, Kiwi musicians. Um, and I know that's very broad, but lately I've been going to a lot, a lot of gigs um, because um, I'm very close with the people I went on tour with and the one person that's actually in Auckland, he's an incredible bassist. Like he's worked with Cool and the Gang and like, you know, all of those incredible musicians in LA and stuff like that. So he takes me to a lot of gigs and watching, watching the talent that is right under our noses Mm. is just so insane and so incredibly inspiring. Like, honestly, it just, it pushes me to to want to do this, to continue to do this and, and honestly like catch up to them because they're incredible. So yeah, our Kiwi musicians inspire me so much these days. And what we haven't mentioned yet is between you releasing this and going on to Madagascar, of course you're going on to something as part of the June Cabaret Festival. Yeah, yeah, that's very exciting. 
So tell us about that. Um, yes, I'm doing uh, I'm doing the Soul Lounge at the Auckland Cabaret Festival uh, with Auckland Live. Um, I'm doing that with uh, Brady Pietti and Paul Fagamalo. Um, they're amazing to work with. So we were just kind of brought together by uh, Janelle Bish from Auckland Live. Um, she'd seen me in um, music theatre Unleashed like years ago and was yeah, like... that's like two or three years yeah, ago now, wasn't it? Was it? quite a while. So yeah. she had, you know, got in contact and she was like, hey, I would love to... Um, have you as part of the show don't really know specifically what for yet but i'd love to have you um yeah and so i was like hey i think a soul lounge would be kind of cool um yeah and then she brought me paul and brady together and honestly like we've just been riffing off each other back and forth and ideas they're great to work with honestly and just so talented and what kind of songs will someone expect to hear if they come along to the Soul Lounge? So your classic soul, like, you know, Aretha Franklin and, uh, oh my goodness, all the... Cl- I think we've got some Marvin Gaye in there as well. And then a bit of, like, R&B as well. Um, more like new school, like Alicia Keys, that kind of vibe. Yeah. Cool. And where's that going to be on? That's going to be at the Civic Mezzanine. It's going to be a high tea and it's going to be on June 27th and July 3rd. Yeah. Great. Now I'm curious, Kristen. Yes. If you could have the dream role given to you on stage. Uh, You may have already played it, but what would the dream role be? Oh my goodness. Um, Oh, the dream role. Wow. I feel like that just kind of always changes oh you know i would love to play dolores dolores in sister act i would i love that musical so much and dolores is such a fun character i love the song she sings i would love to be dolores um or even have my crack at tina (laughs) tina turner do the full musical yeah Yeah. oh that's so cool see i think there's some even some great roles in beautiful as well you know Mm. yeah Mm. or you know good old Maybe go and play Liza Hamilton. Oh my! Oh my gosh! Yeah, being or to be in Hamilton would be amazing. I actually made the final round of callbacks uh, for Peggy um, for the Australian, um, the Australian um, production of, of Hamilton. So that was crazy Ooh. last year. Um, yeah, it was just amazing to make it that far. I was like, whoa! Especially because my dance audition, I felt like I butchered it, but I passed that, and I was like, whoa. <laughs> She's yeah. pretty full on dancing, eh? Yeah. That's cool. All right, before we introduce our next guest, we'll let you take a breather. Emma, let's check out all the wonderful things that have come in our inbox this week. It's been another busy week. So, Vista Foundation 48 Hours have announced the winners of the 48-hour national champion um, for the film festival, and that was Good Girl. By Traces of Nat from Wellington. Yeah, and that's hot off the press because that was last night at the Civic, I believe. So a professional dog walker walker becomes immersed in a self-help podcast and finds herself treading dangerous territory. So she won the Vista Foundation 48-hour competition. And what else does it tell us? Like we said, it's only just come in. Oh, and um, the best school team for 2021 who received a $1,000 national prize was Newlands College, also from Wellington. Uh, Brilliant. So there you go. And you can find out more about the list of winners on their website, which is www. Oh, look, of course I can't find it. I think it's VF4. 
48hours.co.nz. I hope. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Now, from the comedy side of awards, this year's Fred Award judges have chosen three finalists to compete at tonight's final festival showcase. So we will have this information for you next week. But David Carreras, uh, Two Hearts, and Eli Mathewson are busy performing off tonight as part of the New Zealand Comedy Festival. Um, they're up for a $2,000 cash grant, $300 worth of power, and a wonderful package from a core and Sky City. This is all part of the wonderful New Zealand International Comedy Festival with Best Foods Mayo that's running. Check it out at comedyfestival.co.nz. Now, Tipac, as always, has amazing things happening and their weekly bulletin is (laughs) jam-packed. But something to point out is that they have their annual general meeting happening this week on the 26th of May at 6pm. So if you'd like to come and find out what's happening behind the scenes or be part of that, find out, um, contact them at communications at tipac.org.nz. Now, Auckland Art Gallery's new major exhibition, All That Was Solid Melts, features work by leading international contemporary artists and opens at the Auckland Gallery from Saturday the 5th of June. Um, This exhibition offers a journey through a range of emotional states which are felt during significant change, while also offering a chance to contemplate, regroup and reimagine beyond the crisis experience. Sounds really different. All That Was Solid Melts um, has got artists from around the world and it's kicking off from the 5th of June right through until the 10th of October. And of course, admission is free if you're an Aucklander. Now dive into the words of Timuana Nui Kiwa with Upu at Circa Theatre. So the Upu Collective presents Upu, making its debut as part of the Kimao Festival. The highly acclaimed Upu takes over Circa stage with Oceana's most electrifying poetry performed by a star-studded cast from the 15th to 19th of June. Um, they've got an amazing lineup, including Jared Rari, um, Maria McDowell, um, Nathaniel Lees, Maya Blake. Man, what a lineup. Um, and they're performing work from Selena Tosistala Marsh, from Albert Went, from Honey Tufuri. So, this is one to definitely get amongst, I reckon. So, as I said, it's playing at Circa Theatre, 19th. Um, 15th to the 19th of June. So check it out at www.kiamalfestival.org.nz. Now, for one night only, a group of New Zealand's finest musicians are bringing the Fillmore East to Auckland's very own Sky City Theatre on Friday, June the 11th. Walk through the doors of Sky City and experience the best of the New York music scene. When the hair was long, the jeans were flared and the music was great. You'll remember those days, Emma. Yes, Do you sure. think music peaked in the 60s and 70s? Well, if you were lucky enough to attend a gig at the Fillmore East in New York only open for three blessed years then that's definitely what you'll think and you're not wrong. Fortunately you don't need a time machine to experience it, you just need a ticket. It's one night at Fillmore East and it's part of Sky City Theatre's entertainment. Check out the details at Sky City Theatre and iTicket. 
And did you know that 660 swept up the lion's share at the 2021 Vision Fest Awards? So these awards were the Film Festival Awards and 660 had a great night, including their music video for Sundown, taking out three top prizes, including Best Music Video, Visionary Directing and Visionary Editing. Awesome. And the awards are already open for 2022, so you might want to go and check them out. But you can also find out a list of winners and that can be found via Vision Fest. Thank you so much, Elephant Publicity, for everything you send us. <laughs> yeah. Most of them were from Elephant, and they are fantastic. <laughs> just put the website in there. Just put the website a little bit more <laughs> obvious and not just your own. If you've got something you would like us to share on air. Thevisionfest.com. I take you it found all it. Back. All right, found it. All right, sorry, Elephant. If you've got something you'd like us to promote, email us at kickarts1 at gmail.com. Include details of the performance, what's happening, and if you'd like to come on and be interviewed, we'd love to have you. And we're welcoming, sneaking in the back door of the studio on a Sunday night in the darkness, is Indigo and Hannah, Hannah from Paradise Island. Welcome to the show, team. Kia ora, thank you for having us. Hello, hello. Now, you've come straight from a rehearsal, so you've been released. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Snuck out. What's Paradise Island? It's a new piece of work, isn't it? It is. It's a new play that explores what happens to this group of characters in the wake of learning about their friend's death by suicide. Um, it's very metatheatrical. There's lots of music and puppetry and moments of real beauty. Um and dispersed with this, like, yeah, pretty heavy subject. It's so not what I expected you to say. So, yeah, <laughs> you've got me hooked. Okay. Um, who's created this? I wrote the script, and I've been working really closely with our director, Katie Burson, for uh, the past three years. So, yeah, I wrote it in 2018, and we've been workshopping it together since then. And over the past year, Hannah, our lovely director, has stepped in, and she's very creative as well, and has lots of really excellent input. You mean you mean producer? What did I say? You said director. Oh. Katie is our lovely director. Yeah. Hannah's our producer. <laughs> and you're busy producing. And it's all right. You've had a long day rehearsing. <laughs> yeah, no. It's uh, I stepped in a year ago. It was in between the two lockdowns, and yeah, it's just been really, really great working for such an extended period of time on something as well. It's been really exciting. What made you write this? I lost someone really close to me to suicide and it was awful. Yeah. It's so hard and it's such a hard thing to try and understand and it's something that so many of my friends have been through. Um, it's so prevalent in our community mm. and I wanted to make something that that could be dedicated to him and to everything I loved yeah, about him, nice. but that also could help people. Um, yeah, we we care about the work being useful and and opening conversations and reducing stigma and having this, like, real power, potentially. We hope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Hannah, when does it open? So it opens on, ne- on next Tuesday, so Tuesday the 1st of June. So we've got one more week of rehearsals and then and then tech is one week today so it's it's definitely Final ramping up <laughs> absolutely so it's it's all ramping up but it's um it's really exciting it, i think it's getting to that point where everything starts to feel quite uh quite real and everyone's sort of holding their breath a little bit for the for the exhale of of mm-hmm. opening night and and then the mm. big big exhale of of closing night <laughs> as well now you did a 
boosted campaign to raise funds to be able to do this, didn't you? That's right. Yeah. yeah. We've been so blown away by the support we've had. We're like 96% there with just a few more days to go. We're really, really close. And it's just been incredible seeing how much people want to support this project, how much people are willing to get behind it. Um, I always kind of assume that fundraising, crowdfunding is going to be like pulling teeth, but it's been the opposite. There's good it's people been. out there. Yeah. yeah. But it's also, it's easy for people to support. You know, mm-hmm. they can just donate. They can support things that are close to them or mean something to them without necessarily having to go to something or purchase something. It, it mm. is Crowdfunding is easy like that. Absolutely. And I think it's important for people to know that every like $5 absolutely makes a difference. We're mm-hmm. quite sort of big being like, you don't need to give us the the hundred dollars mm. that anything like that we're not asking people to you know put in major shares just like five dollars makes a huge difference to every little bit it can go it's a third of a roll of gaffer tape yeah. you know <laughs> exactly. it's like it, every little every little <laughs> cent and it, it's absolutely so heartening to have so many people say no i absolutely already believe in this before we've even had a chance to put on the work mm-hmm. so tell us your own journeys in the arts that's led you up to this moment who is Indigo? <laughs> um, I trained as an actor. I studied at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts in New York for a year and came back to New Zealand with, like, I think quite a different training and background than we get here. I mm. think here school tends to be much more focused on making art and being an artist, and there it was all about, like, how do you be an actor who can get a job? Right. Um So I think coming back here, I really wanted to lean back into the devising I'd done like before school and new theatre and into making work myself. And so I worked with Katie, our director, for the first time when I got back and we made a solo show together um, that I performed and wrote and Katie directed and we had a musician who was on with us every night and we did it in like found spaces all around Auckland, even Waiheke. Um... And that was the first time that I had had that kind of relationship with the director, feeling really collaborative, really both giving what the other person needed. Um, and so that, that's why it felt like such a immediate, obvious choice yeah, to work with her again. which is rather important in a one-person show too. Oh, absolutely. Man, that, that combination <laughs> could really spoil a project. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and we just met kind of by chance I posted an ad on the big idea Katie was the only person who responded and she was just the perfect fit and is this the first piece you've written I wrote that solo show as you well you wrote that as well right yeah and I've written a number of plays but this is the first one that is having like a full length season at a theatre so that's pretty exciting with a big cast it's a big step up nice Ooh. and Hannah your background uh, so I have a bit of a, a bit of a mixed background you could say I uh, I did lots of sort of acting youth classes when I was um, sort of a teenager that's when I initially met Indigo we met when we were like 14 or something like that and then I went and um, studied in the UK and I did a three-year long degree for drama and theatre studies um, and that was very much it wasn't like going to drama school or anything it was very sort of like theoretical based um, and then I came back to New Zealand and I worked um, as a stage manager and a couple of jobs like that. Um, and then 
I'm, I'm actually sort of veering off on a different pathway at the moment. I'm studying a master's at AUT um, in gastronomy, which is food. So it's like um, I've still got Dramatic like, food, perhaps? <laughs> perhaps. I mean, one would hope so. So I've kind of got my foot left in the door a little bit. Um, but I, I, I love theatre and I've always loved theatre. And so I just um, I decided to sort of like take a step back after um, COVID and, and having sort of... Uh, not uh, voluntarily having left a theatre, kind of that kind of situation. So I just sort of regrouped. But I I have had a long sort of theatre background without ever professionally deciding to become an actress or anything like that. So what about producing? What's this journey been like? This is actually my first full producing play. I uh, co-produced, assistant produced for uh, No Holds Barred, which is the, which was Michael Hurst's solo show in Fringe in 2009, no, 2020, that was last year, sorry, I just get confused with uh, COVID, but it was the Fringe right before we all went into lockdown. So that was my first um, sort of go at producing and then Katie and Indy brought me on after that, I guess they just <laughs> saw saw something to trust. Absolutely. Yeah. No regrets. No regrets. And writing from the heart, I mean, Kristen, it was a bit similar to what we were talking with you earlier with your songs. Do you think it's easier, and I'm asking both of you, I guess, to write from the heart, from true stories? I mean, we've talked to two authors tonight. Both had links to real stories, even though they were creating fiction. It's that whole writing what you know, I think, you know. Um, and I feel like as as, as artists and, and writers, like it's an expression of of you essentially. And yeah, storytelling um, what you've been through. And like, yeah, it's like, yeah, expressing yourself through like the stories that you've, you've had, you know, mm. your, your storytelling. Um, yeah, that's like my my songwriting process as well for me is this is me yeah yeah (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely i think there's an element of if you have a story to tell it's because of an experience you've had whether that be your own whether it be something you experienced secondhand or something you experienced through generations whether that's a story you're passing on Mm -hmm. but for it to be really worth telling it has to come from somewhere and it often comes from from lived experiences. Yeah, I yeah I agree, and especially recently, someone um, someone messaged me asking me how I would feel about um, songwriting for them, like kind of ghostwriting. Mm. And um, I said I was like I'd be I'd be interested in, in trying that out maybe a bit later. It's just the thing is I'm a very personal writer, you know. Like yes, you can give me kind of I guess what you want to say and stuff like that, but I. I'm at the stage, very personal right now. So I don't. I just don't know if I could, you know, have speak to for you. Really know and understand them and their story. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Very interesting. All right, we're going to take a short music break now, and then we will ask the tough questions as it's after nine pm. Um, but our music break is really important. I don't know if any of you saw this week the trailer release for Dear Evan Hansen the movie. Did you see I it? I can't wait. Oh, it looks so good. So here is the song Disappear. This is sung by Taylor Trench and Alex Ornelio. I'm going with that one tonight. One more name to get wrong in a night, hey? Um, this is not from the movie, but two people who have starred in it on the West End. 
No one deserves to be forgotten No one deserves to fade away Even if you've always been that barely in the background kind of guy And even if you're somebody who can't escape the feeling that the world's passed you by If you never get around to doing some remarkable thing That doesn't mean that you're not worth remembering Think of the people who need to know They need to know So you need to I show, need them. To show them That no one deserves to be forgotten No one deserves to fade away No one should flicker out or have any doubt that it matters that they are here. No one deserves, no one deserves to disappear, to disappear, disappear. When you're falling in a forest and there's nobody around, you want is for somebody to find you. You're falling in a forest, and when you hit the ground, all you need is for somebody to find you. No one deserves to be forgotten. No one deserves to fade away. No one should flicker out or have Disappear. No one deserves to be forgotten. No one deserves to fade away. Disappear from Dear Evan Hansen. Can't wait for that to come out. Um, nice, it's the original cast in the movie. Yeah, although that sparked quite a big debate, hasn't it? Oh, has it? I missed that. What, what was the debate? Whether Ben Platt's the right person oh. to be playing Evan, given that he looks that much older now. I you know, because I think in a movie... His t- story, isn't it? You know? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and man, he was an amazing yeah, Evan. Yeah. But I don't know. In a, in a movie setting where you're that close to their face, mm. like it's not like on Broadway where, I mean, both times I saw it, it was quite interesting that the two times I saw Dear Evan Hansen on Broadway, both times, I was in the back row of the mezzanine, <laughs> both times. But anyway, um, you couldn't really, like, you could probably have gotten away with it a little right, bit right. more. But, Rather than the close-up. Mm. A real close-up. I mean, because how old is Ben Platt now? I think he's 28 or something like that. And he's playing a 16-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's Just interesting because there's nothing, but there's nothing quite else like that. Like, there are so many TV shows with older people playing teenagers and you don't often hear people with such outrage mm. about it. But it's just funny that it's come out so suddenly. He's 27. 27. He was born on the 24th of September, 1993. I still feel like that's quite young. I feel like that's still quite young. You're still quite young. Yeah. yeah. In the trailer, he looked 
you look pretty young. I think you could pass compared to like you know like thirty year olds who play teenagers in other shows. Do you know if they plan to make this movie before COVID hit, or is this a result of the theatre closing down and keeping them busy? It it was they it was. they they planned to make it before COVID and then COVID happened and I think Warner Brothers was so intent on keeping him on board right. that they. We're just like, no, we're just going to strive strive through. I did just look at an article oh. earlier than this today, so I think it's fresh in, <laughs> fresh in my brain. But no, it was like they were set on it being him, and then they got delayed because of COVID, and they were like, no, we'll still keep you, even though you That's look cool. too old. Although it's pretty exciting, all these movie musicals that are suddenly coming out. Because, like, I, I remember when I was young, all those many, 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 many years ago. You know, Sunday after, Sunday mornings and afternoons sitting watching telly and watching all the good old-fashioned movie musicals, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers and singing, singing in the Rain and all of those. And then there was a huge gap where there were kind of none. Mm, mm. And now there's... And the height's coming out. Oh, my God. I can't wait. I'm so excited. That's so exciting. <laughs> and now this. It's like, wow. And what's Hamilton be? came out. Hamilton. Yeah. Tick, yeah. tick, boom's tick. coming as well. There's just so many. It's crazy. Yes. There's a new West Side Story as well. Oh, yes. 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 That actually looks quite good, too. Yeah. 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 Very good. Oh, we'll have to start hiring some cinemas. <laughs> fundraisers. Fundra- yes. Brilliant fundraisers. Good way for us to raise some funds for um, us being on air. Yeah. If, if people want to help us, stay on here, you know, sponsor a show. Absolutely, and more details on that coming out in our very new look website shortly. Yes. Your one-stop shop for every event coming up. Now, in, in that music break, I heard a little chatter in the studio, but it interests me, um, talking about the writing process. So I'm curious, both Kristen and Indigo, what's, what's your process for creating something? Is there a clear process or is it a bit <laughs> hit and miss? I think the the more I write, the more my process becomes clear. Um, and the more I write in, in different ways. Because when I started out writing, it was like, it was because I had something really, I had a, a strong impetus, something that I wanted to write about. And my writing has always come from a really thematic place first, rather than character or narrative. And then I kind of figure out how to explore the issues, how to tell the story from there. And as I've kind of moved forward and started writing things, not just because I really feel like I have to, but because I want to be writing and I want to be making and I love it, my process has continued to emerge around like finding the theme, finding the thing that I care enough about that I'm going to spend a year on it, Mm. maybe three years in this case. Um, And then kind of untangling from there who the right characters are to tell the story. What's the right narrative? What's the nice right structure? What's even the right genre? Because in addition to plays, I also write essays and fiction podcasts. And so, yeah, finding kind of like, what is it? How does it fit? What's the vehicle for this thing that I care enough about that I'm going to spend that long on it? Mm. Mm. Hannah, how would you describe her writing style? It's awkward having the author next to you. We'll just pretend she's not there. Look at me, look at me. I I feel bad. I think I've only actually read Paradise Island, so I feel perhaps a little bit of a a bad friend in that regard. But, um, I mean, it's really, really really natural, and I think what Indigo has done really well with this is left so much room for people to explore and and have have to sort of sink their teeth in. She's not 
um, written it super super prescriptively to be like this character this and this character this right. so it gives the actors so much to play with and so much to figure out on their own and I mean I I love Paradise Island for how it's 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 sort of meta quality of it it really twists the play on its head and and you it's sort of like a play within a in a play but not in sort of a twelfth night sense mm. of that but um really opens it up to be more than just this is a straight narrative and it's your characters are really prescriptive it's it's uh, really open, which I, I really enjoy. And the thing is, when you're dealing with such a huge topic as well, you kind of don't want it to be really prescriptive and narrative. You kind of need to put the... So a play within a play kind of idea gives you that distance mm-hmm. to be able to remove yourself from yep. the actual... You know, you don't want to be telling the audience how to suck eggs because the thing is too, with something like suicide and stuff mm. on stage, you know, it's a... I've seen some pretty bad shows. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know... You yeah. can't really recreate. No, 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 God, you know? no. You wouldn't want to. No. It it absolutely needs the kind of like meta-theatrical elements and mm. the magical real magical realism elements in order to make it palatable, I think. Mm. And safe for the audience. And safe. Mm. And to, to make it something that's going to be more than just like an hour of grief because that's a hard place to move from mm. but to have that hope and that joy and and I think it also makes it more real because when you lose someone there is the grief but there's also remembering mm. everything you loved about yeah. them yeah. there's immense joy when you get to spend all this time thinking about someone who meant so much to you and and why and and so I mm. think the more that we find all those different strands of the experience the realer it feels and given that it is such a heavy topic, mm. um, I might ask you, Hannah, as, as a production company, what are you doing to look after your audiences who are coming and may experience some pretty hard-hitting stuff? Yeah, so that's really been been on the forefront. We've got, um, well, firstly, in terms of protecting us as a as a company itself, as a our crew and our, and our cast members, we have um, a mental health advisor on board. So that's... Um, uh, um, Jessica Stubbing, she works for um, the Auckland DHB. Yeah, yeah, I think she's at Starship. She's at Starship and she works specifically, um, she's just, um, you know, handed in her PhD on specifically on youth mental health and, and how to fix that specifically within Aotearoa New Zealand. So she's um, she's been on board. We actually just had a session with her earlier today and she's um, there to sort of guide us through and how to protect our audiences, ourselves and our cast members. So what we're doing specifically with our audiences um, is, for one, we have very, very clear trigger trigger content warnings. You know, there's there, we don't want there to be any shock for anybody coming in that this mm. is not that they're, no, they're going to get a shock of what's being said, you know. Mm. It's very clearly the play is about suicide and grief and there's, you know, a nipple, so we've got nudity warnings <laughs> and, and that kind of thing. But um, at the end, we um, are sort of opening up the space after the show to sort of have um, like a korero to open the space to have a conversation, not in a sort of, I don't like this bit of the play, but to allow audiences to say something if they need to be said, or rather to just open the room up so that people don't, uh, the play's over and finished and then you leave and you go home and that feeling, those those mm. emotions stay with you. Especially the if you've time. come on your own. 
Mm. You know, some people yeah. get back in the car and they chat, 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 chat. But a lot of people meet friends at theatre yeah. and then they take that journey home with them. So I like that. That's a yeah. nice idea. Yeah. yeah, and also allowing, like, we'll finish the play and then we'll say, we're going to hold this space. If you have to leave now, you're totally welcome to. Yeah. Because not everyone wants to sit and talk about mm. it afterwards. Some people might actually be feeling like, I have to go home right now. I'm feeling triggered and I know what I need and it's to leave. And mm. some people might be feeling, oh, wow, that was heavy. I want to be in the space with other people who have been through it with mm. me because, I mean, that's what live performance is all about mm. is this shared experience. So to give people the option to leave if they need to, to stay if they need to, and just to kind of share that space with us after what we what we'll all go through together. Have you seen the script change during this journey from what you first put out to the process now? Through the rehearsal process? Yeah, yeah. There have been a few changes, um, but they're pretty minor. We've actually been <laughs> riffing on the final line of the play recently. It always felt fine when we read it and then we rehearsed and we were like, hmm, nope, that doesn't quite work. So I've been like lying in bed at night thinking about what what like two two word tweaks can we make yeah, so yeah, that yeah. it just feels a little bit more right. Um, I guess that's the blessing and the curse of being a writer yeah. in a process. That's cool. I think it's been really lovely to watch the entire play come alive and and not that I didn't think there were moments of humour in the show, but I guess I just kind of forgot about them because I haven't been dealing with the script so so often. So I always get so much joy in watching it come alive and then you have these moments of sort of joy within rehearsal or the the jokes which are in the script. It's not it's not just a you know, fifty minutes of just solid <laughs> s- solid grief. Yeah, you know? yeah. We there are moments in joy. So I think that's also so so lovely to sort of have that to sort of uplift you within the moments of rehearsal and to have throughout the script. It's I mean, it's I think it's incredibly well well written mm. in that regard. And Kristen, going back to the original question, mm-hmm. your writing process for you? Yeah, I I think that I struggle to communicate my feelings when I'm going through something. I'm not one to really like talk to other people. I find it difficult to do. So I think that's where I I can do that through my music and that's kind of my writing process. So I will like something will happen. <laughs> uh, but generally generally I'll be on my piano just kind of playing around with stuff and then I'll play like a melody and from that I'll get a vibe from that and then write to that the the kind of vibe or the tone that I get from the tune and write that way and generally it'll be something that I've been feeling for a while I'm a really busy person so when I go through something I'm like oh I'll deal with it later I don't have time right now <laughs> so when I do have time it generally is in those in those moments where I am just with my piano and then it just kind of comes that way yeah that's cool no I I imagine that I could, I could picture you, to, especially hearing that song, Seasons, that f- description feels right. Yeah, and I'm a real, uh, I like to write in metaphors. <laughs> so, like, all of my songs has, like, a theme and then metaphors that go with that, that whole kind of theme. Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a, like, tell it like it is. I also like to leave room for interpretation, you know, and doing it that way. So whoever listens, um, you know, can pick what they what they get from it because it's not specific um yeah 
Cool. All right, here's your tough question, team, everyone in the room. Mm-hmm. You're standing at the New Zealand Tony Awards, because we have them, <laughs> and you're about to give your thank you speech before the orchestra plays. Who do you need to thank? Who, who do you look back on in your journey so far, your young journeys, who have inspired you, led you, supported you, or given you the kick that sometimes we need? Kristen? My... Uh Family, my parents, um, because they brought me to this country and this country gave me so many opportunities that I don't think I would have received in South Africa or it would have been a lot more difficult. So, and especially like the places I've traveled because, because we came here. So I'm so thankful for my parents for that. And then honestly, my friends. My friends have been the most amazing support and just they have really, 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 really pushed me and um, helped me achieve, you know, my dreams really. And like all my friends are musicians, so to have them play my music, you know, and bring bring seasons to life, bring my original music to life is insane. Um, so yes, my friends and my family, 100%. Yeah. Nice. Mm. All right, no orchestra played there. You were okay, Indigo. I definitely have to say my parents as well. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think I would be where I am if not for their support. Um, and I think I would also say Katie. She's been really, really instrumental in my growth as a writer, in my confidence, and and also in learning how to write what a director needs, what casts need. Um, She's been yeah very very instrumental in me getting to where I am today with my writing, and I also know that wherever I go next will be so informed by this project that I don't think I can take any of my growth separately from Katie's influence. Nice, oh, good plug there. <laughs> All right, thank you, Hannah. You're standing at the New Zealand Tonys. Who are you thinking? I mean, not to not to be sort of boring and following the following everyone else, but definitely, uh, definitely, my parents. I think I was blessed with um, the ability, the sort of blessing to try literally everything once. You know, you can you can do that dance class once, and you can do this dance class twi- uh, once. Just like try and try and try and try until you find something that you love, and um, and then being like, yes, absolutely, we we support this. So I'm, I feel really blessed for them to be able to have had that kind of upbringing um and yeah my friends I think I think sometimes there's a sense of like oh I'm just gonna lay low for a little while and then your friends will sort of be like hey do you want to do this thing and it will give you a boot and it will push you and um and I, I mean that's what Indigo and Katie have done to me it's it's been it's been pushed and it's been so so exciting so I think they just lay hand in hand the people who give you the ability to give you that sort of first building um, stepping stone and then the friends who kind of like then push you off and say go (laughs) now fly even if you can't so what next for you two what's next on the horizon I am not thinking about anything after opening night (laughs) that's that is that's that's (laughs) that's the the end of time (laughs) for me right now I, I have three assignments due, um, one during production week, two directly after, so that is... Um, <laughs> Sorry, that <laughs> manic... <laughs> so uh, that's what I'm doing. I uh, am sort of 
going to be writing the final essays during the day during show week and then being there for the shows in the evening and just like really smashing them out and then it's the end of term so I'm just going to like truly do nothing uh, nothing for a month you know I love that we're truly going to do nothing and I bet if we were to speak to you in a month's time and we were like what <laughs> are you doing and you'd be like well I started the next two <laughs> <laughs> probably yeah. and, and, and why the topic for you gastronomy oh um, I mean I love like my two loves are definitely food and theatre like that's that's just it I think so when's the theatre restaurant opening come on <laughs> that's what everyone asks um, I I I don't know. Maybe one day uh, when you know the worlds collide into having a, a one which doesn't seem like you're being served by Dracula or something like that. <laughs> um, but I just yeah, I love food. I I don't know what I love more, like eating or talking about it. So they they both go hand in hand. That's cool. That's very cool. Very different. Uh, you having put pen to paper on another story? Oh, I have put pen to paper on a number of stories. Right. Yeah. So I, beyond that opening night that you're refusing to see past, <laughs> will some of those come out of the drawer or out of the keyboard again? Yeah. Um, my most recent play was actually just nominated for Play Markets Before 25 award. So that's really exciting and um, such a nice validation, I think. Sometimes mm. when you're kind of working on something in isolation, you're like, is this bad? It's bad, probably. <laughs> um so, yeah, it's nice that they have opportunities like that where, you know, it gives you a deadline, it yeah. gives you a little bit of validation, and I'll be doing a play reading, um, a workshop with the director, probably in the same week of the season, actually. <laughs> he, the director's up for a week, so we'll find some space and some time and some actors and do some workshopping on that and then I'll be back to writing revisions and next drafts and um, yeah hopefully we'll see that show up maybe in the next year. Paradise Island also got nominated for the B425 award this is not Indigo's first nomination and so if this is anything to go by then perhaps Mm -hmm. we will see this next play maybe in three years time. Has lots of food in it Hannah do you you want (laughs) to produce again? Maybe. <laughs> so, uh, shameless plug time. Where can people find out about Paradise Island? Tell us when it's on, where, how they get tickets. So, Sell it. So, Paradise Island is on from the 1st to the 5th of June at 6.30pm at Basement Studio. Uh, you can get tickets from iTicket uh, or you can go through Basement's website as well to find it on there. Um, our boosted campaign has four days left, I believe, and we've got like $150 to go. We're really close. Um, I don't know the specific link off the top of my head, but if you Google search boosted and Paradise Island, it should come up and be all uh, found there. Yeah. That's Brilliant. It's so close, so close. So if our listeners are listening, I can see Emma frantically typing away to find it. Um, let's try and support these young people doing amazing things. Jump on over to boosted.org.nz backslash projects backsplash. Thank you. No. Backslash paradise hyphen island. Fantastic. Four days left, sitting on 96%. $155 to go with 63 donors. Yes, and big thank you to everyone yeah. who has donated so Absolutely, far. Yeah. That's brilliant. Well, all the best with your season. We look forward to hearing how it goes and I hope it's everything you want it to be and a, a wonderful way to honour a friend. 
Cheers. Congratulations. And Kristen, we'll probably need like 20 minutes to, to list off all the different things you've got coming up. <laughs> how can people, first of all, how can people track down you and your music? Um, so my music is officially uh, on all streaming platforms under the name Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-N, just there. Um, and yeah, that's that's my music. That's my music. Uh, called And my, my single is called Seasons. Um, otherwise, you can find me on my Instagram, Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-N, music. And that's where I post like all my latest updates for everything that's happening. Uh, in order of events, um, Soul Lounge is coming up first at the Civic Mezzanine on June 27th and July 3rd. Tickets can be found on Auckland Live. Um, I think it's just there. Yeah, just Auckland Live. And then right after that, uh, we kick off into Madagascar in Auckland from the 8th of July to the 18th of July. Um, tickets can be found on GMG Productions, madagascar.co.nz. Um, yes. And Ticketmaster. And Ticketmaster. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, that well, is in order. Yeah. Awesome. Well, lovely catching up with you today and fantastic to hear your music. Can't wait to hear the next one. You know where to come on a Sunday night to share it. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It's awesome. And Emma, your week ahead, I'm off to the Royal New Zealand Ballet to the opening of Giselle here in Auckland. I've heard amazing things about it in Wellington. What are you up to this week? I feel like there should be something, but maybe I'm just back to a week of normal teaching, maybe looking after my students um, this week without seeing too much. I think you said that last week and then just rattled off at the start of the show seven things you saw, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see where it goes. Well, if you want to send us anything or come on our show, email us at kickarts1, that's the numeric one, at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram and send us a message through there as well. We love to promote what's coming up. I've just remembered why this week is important and she'll kill me if I, you know, she'll probably kill me for saying it. But my best friend's getting married on Saturday and I'm the um, matron of honour. So this week is actually very much Wednesday, Thursday, Friday is all about Sharon. Excellent, excellent. Have a wonderful wedding, Sharon. Uh, We're going out tonight with music from Wire to Anthems, the beautiful Kiwi songs that have been uh, transformed into te reo. Tonight is Holly Smith and Don McGlasson's Bathe in the River. Have a fantastic week and make sure you... Kick some arts. See you next week.
day. 